to God. Well, once again, uh, my name is Pastor Jim. I get to be the senior pastor here. Um, I am a valedictorian of nothing. Uh, 1.8 GPA from Lakeland High School. My sister graduated Sigma Cum Laude. I graduated, oh, thank you, Laude. By, by the grace of God, they let me get out. I got tired of people telling me what to do, and so I immediately got out of high school and joined the Army. So that's how smart I was. So Guys, a little bit of attention over here. Um, the checks you see up there, these are checks we've written out. As Dina said there's $11,000. There is about what, five or 6,000 of that is, is the, uh, the supplies. But you notice the big, giant game show prices right checks? Those are checks written out to Linden, Fenton, Lake Fenton, Holly Academy, and uh, the Crim Foundation for the purpose of helping kids through the teachers. We decided this year, uh, we always have backpacks and all that kind of stuff, and that's great, but a lot of people are doing that, and that's wonderful. And we're still hearing back from the teachers, like, man, I wish I would have known that you were having that because I could have sent like 10 of my students. They, they need a protractor. They, they need pencils. They need paper. They need help. So we decided to maybe cut out a little bit of the middleman, let other organizations take that role, which they're doing a wonderful job. Uh, and, and just come directly to the teacher. So after we're done today, all the educators, if you, if you teach students, you can be a driver's ed instructor for all I care. If you need something that's in that pile, it's for you. We're going to have hosts and hostess over there to help you kind of feel comfortable. What can I take? What can I take? If you try to take all the Xerox paper, you'll be tackled by security somewhere around the parking lot. And, uh, but just make you feel comfortable. We want to bless you because what, what better way to bless a kid than to bless a kid's teacher? You know what I mean? So we love you guys. We're proud of you. And... Uh, so let's get in the word this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 is my life verse. I don't know if there is such a thing, but if there is, that's my life verse. And it says this. It says, press the button again, just press it harder this time. That's stuck for some reason, guys. So if you hit a button that gets up there. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, we are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And this is one of the things that I really have... I wrestled with, but now I, I just enjoy thoroughly. One of the things I get to do as a pastor, and as a youth pastor, as a teacher of junior high and high school students and all that kind of stuff, is I, I get to watch the concrete go into the mold, but before it really hardens up and the person becomes something permanent, I always had to be there. I always got to be there on the, the ski trips, on the ski lift, where I'd say, you know, something, hey, what do you want to be 10 years from now? I run into the mall. What do you want to do? How can I help you become that? Connecting them to the construction foreman because they wanted to be a carpenter, connecting them to a college counselor because they wanted to be a doctor. Um, you know, I love that part. And now as a pastor, I find that a lot of adults don't know what they're going to be when they grow up. Same thing. So helping people find their place, their niche, their, their, that thing that they were created to do is one of my joys. And from the time you kind of realize, hey, I was created for something other than this or more than this or, or whatever it is, to the time you actually get to be who you are, there's a process. And God sends many times teachers into that process. Teachers have this great this great platform to kind of stand there and, and yes, you're talking about history, but you're also talking about destiny. Yes, you're talking about geometry, but you're also talking about the, the, the order of the universe and how God will instruct people to go and become something. You talk about the satisfaction of the soul. Many of the classes that you'd have to take in college, you'll never use again after the final exam, but learning how to learn has a value. I'm learning more and more as I get older. Learning how to learn has a value. I just believe that nobody's a mistake. I believe that we're all created by God 
Christ's hands, Christ's heart forms us and gives us certain abilities. And from those abilities, guys, we, we get this opportunity to kind of go on this treasure hunt of who we are as a teacher in that position. But we, we use things like words. And I, I just say this, words are powerful things. How many of you guys know words are powerful things? Um, words are powerful things, especially in the hands of powerful people. People that drone on and on that sound like Henry Kissinger teaching a Latin class. You know what I mean? They, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't be teachers. They should be accountants. They should be isolated in a cubby where they can do no harm to humanity. But, but the people that, that have this gift to take words and, and form like the hands on that concrete and press it into shapes that you really, you see when you look at them. You can tell that a kid should do certain things, that your student should become something, and you encourage them in that direction. Words are powerful. But let's be honest. So we're going to do an exercise real quick, and, and only teachers are allowed to answer. So if you're an educator, you're allowed to answer this question. We're going we're gonna to let the class respond because that's what teachers do to hold the interest of people like me. All right? So... Teachers and teachers only. Sam, this is you. Teachers and teachers only, all right? Name 10 speeches. One, not 10, but just name a speech up to 10 that has, that has changed your life. So the, the crafting of words that you can remember a speech, like, like Martin Luther King. I'll give you kind of a, a clue, like I, I have a dream. That would be that sort of thing. So that's one. I'll give you the first one. How many of you like it when the teacher gives you the answer to the test? Amen. Makes it easier to pass. Other ones. Teachers, name a speech that has changed your life. Go. All right, let's try again. Sam, I'm looking right at you. You can drink coffee and shake your head and say, don't look at me, but I've known you since you were a little girl. A speech that has changed your life. Go. Okay, how about Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I have a dream. We're going to go to the moon and we're going to do the other things, not because they're easy, but because they're hard, right? How about, how about uh, Black Lives Matter, a three-word speech that, that became the buzzword of, of a culture for, for years now? What about... Um, you know, four score and seven years ago, our forefathers founded upon this continent, a new nation conceived and blah, 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 right? What about Lincoln's second inaugural address, you know, with, with malice towards none and charity towards all, let us, da, 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 talking about the ending of the Civil War. How many of you guys, I'm, let's help the teachers. Other than those six or seven I just gave you, and I'm, I'm into speeches, obviously. Any other speeches? Everybody, name a speech that changed your life. Independence Day. Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> The worst speech in movie history. We will not go down without a fight. We will not let us go into the night. We will fight. We will, we will light. We will... Today is our independent... The worst speech ever. <laughs> Thank you. What grades did you get in high school, Chris? I'm just asking. All right, good. Anybody else? Come on, other speeches that have changed your life. What is it? Braveheart. Freedom! Never happened, but a speech nonetheless. Ask not. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Who said that? Kennedy. JFK, there it is, right? Okay. Fear itself, there it is, right? Who said that? Winston Churchill, right? Good. No, it wasn't? Vince Lombardi? Theodore Roosevelt. Okay, good. Well, I think I, the, the Brits are always copying the Americans anyway. That explains the MG. Anyway, so I think you get the point that we've got about 400 people in the room. Many of them are, 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 have master's degrees or, or better. And I just say this, it's kind of hard to name speeches that we thought changed your life. But let's be honest, did they really change your life? Or, or, or did they just kind of give you words to live by for a moment? Did they really have that effect on you? And, and I'm doing this because we're going to change the question one last time, and it's this. It was hard to name 10 speeches, but how many guys can name 10 people that changed your life? 
And so there's a power to words that's very important. But today we're not going to talk about the words we teach. We're going to talk about the people that we are. Because our favorite teacher was not our favorite teacher because they, they, they taught us a big fancy word. Our favorite teacher was our favorite teacher because of something else. Today I want to talk to you about some of the teachers that helped me um, to grow into a 50, almost 3-year-old, uh, <laughs> 50, almost 3-year-old, uh, almost 53-year-old <laughs> English teacher just rolled over in her grave. He's still doing it after all these years. <laughs> She's probably not dead, but... But if she is, it's because of people like me, I promise you. <laughs> um, I wasn't a good student. And, and today, I am going to talk a lot about my own experience in education and, and teachers and so forth. But I want you to know, in the end, I'm really not talking about me. There's going to be a different focal point at the end. But I, I wasn't a good student. And there's reasons why. I, I didn't have a lot of self-discipline. I had almost no self-discipline. I was a kid that did something stupid, and then the teacher said, why'd you do that? And you go, I don't know. Well, why'd you do it? I don't know. Why did you, I mean, you, you lit that person on fire, Jimmy. Why did you, I don't know. Why did you go screaming out of the room? Your car's on fire, Vic, true story. And ran out of the, the ran out of band class because we had a substitute teacher. And I decided that she wasn't holding my attention. So I screamed, Vic, your car's on fire and ran out the back door. And uh, uh, why did you, I don't know. That was high school, by the way. <laughs> I talked, which is partially true. There's the rest of the truth. Um, but I do want to make one thing clear, and I joke about it, but I, I did not suffer from ADHD. But boy, my teachers sure suffered from my ADHD. I, I enjoyed my ADHD. <laughs> Paying attention to everything simultaneously is wonderful. Unless you're Christmas shopping on Black Friday, then it's horrible. Um, but it made me a good cop. I think it makes me a better pastor. Um, you know, paying attention to everything at the same time. But it is, it is hard in a classroom setting, so I made my teachers pay for my disabilities. Um, but God sent some really extraordinary people into my life early on, and uh, I want to tell you about some of them. Number one is Mrs. Jackson. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. She was unmarried. To my mind, I remember one time I asked her how old she was, and my mother said, Jimmy, it's impolite. We don't ask, you don't ask ladies how old they are. And I said, oh, okay. And she volunteered. She goes, well, I'm, I'm 32 or something. She was like in her early 30s. She was about nine feet tall, as I recall, because I was, I was five. She was about five feet wide, and she had hair that, that she put up in a bun that was about the size of an NFL player's helmet. It was this massive sumo-looking structure on top of her head. And she put these, like, like sticks, like barbecue sticks or whatever, through it. And, she, and, and about twice a year, she would take down her hair. And it was like feet, literally. She wasn't nine feet tall, but I was, you know, two feet tall, so she seemed taller. She's probably 5'5 five, five or something. But when she brought her hair down, it, it literally, she, if she sat down, she'd sit on her hair. She had the longest jet black hair. And the reason I remember her is not because she taught me to read, although she did. Now, although she taught me to write, my first letters were, were in her class, although she taught me that. She taught me to add numbers in, by the time, because I had her for, for uh, all the way through second grade. How many guys know that when kindergarten is the best three years of your life, you've got issues already? <laughs> but I, I had her for more than one year, and that's all I'm going to say about that. And... Uh, but by the time I got out of there, there were flashcards with like X's on them for times tables. There was basic division. It was pretty cool. And she's the one who taught me that. But that's not why I remember. I remember for this reason. And I, I don't talk about this often. Um, and, uh, but I, I'm going to today because I feel like you need to know the whole story. When I was a child, there was a season where I was institutionalized. Um, when you're a kid, you don't know what's wrong. You just know something is. It's hard to verbalize. You don't know that you're different. You don't know that seasons are changing or stuff's happening. All you know is that people that used to talk are now whispering. All they know is when you, you walk in the room, they stop 
talking, and then they, they tell you to go play in the yard. You come back in again. Everybody seems somber. But I remember my mother took me uh, to, uh, I remember it was Sears. And the reason I remember it was Sears, because Sears used to have three sizes of pants for boys. You remember what the sizes were? There was slim, regular, and husky. And that's just a terrible thing to call a kid. There's slim, normal, and you. <laughs> Fatso. You know what I mean? And I, and I got red blue jeans, so they were, I'm doing it again, red jeans, and, and shirts that had buttons on them, and they were scratchy, and they were new, and I'll never forget the day. She said, you know, she just gave me a little speech. We walked to the end of the road, and uh, the representative from the state showed up at the end of our, our driveway, and uh, my mother gave me a hug. She seemed emotional, and she, she put me in the care of a state worker. Um, it was my first day of kindergarten, and I... It was a bus driver. I hope you guys are getting what I'm saying. But <laughs> it was a traumatic experience for me. <laughs> so even though everything I just said was absolutely true, I hope you see the irony that it was, I was kind of messing with you because it's, it's fun to be me sometimes, you know. But, but literally, I remember that sense of what's going on? Why is my mom crying? Well, I was the baby, so I was the last one to start school. The scratchy clothes were because we had to look as nice as the other kids at Eastover Elementary or nicer because we lived in Bloomfield Hills or something. She put me on a school bus, which was about the size of my entire house, you know what I mean, with wheels on it. It was full of kids that were, went all the way up to sixth grade and had, you know, chest hair. And, uh, and, and that was the girls. So, I mean, it was a tough neighborhood, so I'm saying. And, and then you go to the class and, and you're terrified and you get off the bus and you got your little backpack and your your little, you know, Scooby-Doo lunchbox with a thermos in it, and everybody seems to know what they're doing but you. And as I got off the bus, Mrs. Jackson was there waiting for me. I'll never forget her because she made me feel safe. She knew my name. I don't know how she knew my name, but she knew my name. Maybe she stored information in the bun. I don't know, but it was up there. <laughs> she walked me to the room. She showed me to my desk. She introduced me to the other kids around me. Like, she, she made me feel safe. How many of you guys know feeling safe in this world can be a rare thing? especially for a five-year-old, but somehow Mrs. Jackson, somehow, and, and this is true now, this is, this is not, this is many years later, obviously, but somehow we all believed in our hearts that we were her favorite. I don't know how you do that. And there must have been, back in the day, 20, 25 kids, there's like 30, 35 kids now, but, you know, full class was 20, 25 kindergartners. I got on the bus at eight, I was home by lunchtime, but, you know, that, that, that terrible moment where the kid gets off the bus and mom's waiting for you, how was your first day? And I dumped, it was great, and I met friends, and Mrs. Jackson this, and Mrs. Jackson that. Let me tell you something, guys. As a teacher, whether you're a parent, whether you're a good neighbor, you're a babysitter, you're a tutor, driver's ed, God help you. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're, if you're a public school teacher, private school teacher, making a child feel safe is something you will never be forgotten for. Making sure that they know they're valuable, you know who they are. And, and that progressed me. I can't literally, literally think of another teacher's name until I got to junior high. And I met Mr. Milkovich. Mr. M was uh, tough. Um, he was a male teacher in an almost entirely dominated female teacher world. We had a principal. Mr. Sinclair was our vice principal. I remember his name because we spent quality time together on several occasions. <laughs> Another 10-foot-tall giant. I met later on in life, by the way. He's only this big, and he's the sweetest man in the world. I'm like, why were you so mean back then? He goes, that wasn't mean. You were just a bad kid. You know? <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, but it, I had decent grades, but something happened in, in, in the third grade area. My parents got divorced. You know, you don't know. All you do is go with a parent that says go here. But I had Mrs. Carter. I remember Mrs. Carter as my first third-grade teacher. But we transferred out of her class because I wasn't relating to her. She was about 104 years old. She, uh, she had a ruler, 
and, and she wasn't afraid to use it. And I, she just scared me. I didn't feel safe with her. I told my mom, I, I don't want to go to school. I'm crying out Mrs. Carter. I remember my, my older brothers and sisters had her. They called her Sergeant Carter, like the guy from Gomer Pyle, because she was so tough. You know, Sergeant Carter's going to get you, you know. And so they already got me prepared for Sergeant Carter, and she didn't disappoint. And so they switched me from her class to a woman's name, Mrs. Master Angel. How many of you guys know that's not intimidating? Master Angel, you know, of death. And, and uh, she was a younger gal, but she got pregnant and left, and a third teacher came into the role. I don't remember her name because I wasn't there for maybe two weeks before the divorce happened. And I went to Boca Raton, Florida with my mother and the man who became my stepfather is more like a dad to me now. And uh, we, we had this uh, other teacher, but then we had to move construction and reconstruction. With, so I had five different third grade teachers. And that was the year they taught you how to divide more than, you know, uh, eight divided by two is four. Not flashcards in reverse, but literally how to do the math. And so that was third grade. I never learned long division. Fourth grade, I tried to fake it, but how many of you guys know certain things you can fake? Math ain't one of them. English you can fake because I just said ain't and I got away with it with most of you. Um, my English teacher just rolled over again. Um, fifth grade faked it. Sixth grade faked it. Seventh grade faked it. Eighth grade, I run into Mr. Milkovich. Mr. Milkovich called me to the front of the classroom because we had a test, kind of, you do like units on certain things, and it was a unit on division. And it was like 493 divided into 5,900,000. You had to come up with a number, and I just went, oh, seven, you know, and wrote it down. And I copied the person's page next to me, and I'd write down that number. He said, well, show your math. I'm like, well, my math was like, I hope to be rich enough to hire somebody to do my math, you know, and so I looked, I looked at theirs. And, and he just said, he, he leaned in, it was a private moment, he said, Jimmy, do you know how to divide whole numbers? Yeah. <laughs> he said, I don't think you do. And he confronted me and said, I don't think you do. Would you like to learn how to do this? And I said, well, I, I yeah. But I, I've tried for years and I can't do it. I'm too dumb. It's just too hard for me. He said, how far away from the school do you live? I'm like, where's this going? <laughs> I said, five, six miles. He said, can you walk five, six miles? Now I know where it's going. I said, Yeah. He said, okay, when school is over with, you come to my classroom, and I promise you, neither one of us will leave my classroom until you can divide any two numbers into any, any number. Is it a deal? I said, it's a deal. So school's over with, like, yeah, just kind of hanging out, just kind of, and the bus leaves, I'm supposed to be on it, and, you know, I went to Mr. M's class, and he sat with me, and I remember three or four times trying to quit. I don't know how to do this. It's just too hard. I just, I'll, why can't I just use a calculator like everybody else? You know what I mean? Jimmy, you need to know this. Just, it, it's not too hard for you. You can do this. Now, try it again. I try, oh, it's too hard. Jimmy, it's not too hard. Listen, let me show you. Let me show you what you're doing wrong. You did the A, and you're supposed to be doing B. And like, why are you using letters? This is math, you know? And, and it's too hard. I don't know how to do it. And, and he, again, and again, and again, and again, until I got it. And then I said, give me another one. And I got it. Give me another one. I got it. And he, here's a man saying, Good, Jimmy, you got it. Do, do another one, another one. There's another. We sat there for over an hour doing math, and it was fun. How many guys believe in miracles? You know what I mean? The last time math was fun, by the way, but it was fun. And I walked home my five or six miles back to, you know, Horseshoe Drive, and I walked in. I was covered in dust because you walk down those dirt roads and garbage trucks go by, and so you end up looking like a sugar donut by the time you get back. I took a shower. Even though it was junior high, that was my one for the month. And I... And I I, stood, I remember standing in front of the mirror, and I'm looking at this kid, and I'm thinking, that kid knows how to divide. He was taught today how to divide. I want to be honest with you, because of Mr. M to this day, I use a calculator like everybody else. <laughs> but to this day, I know 
that a good teacher can teach me to do anything. I'm not too dumb. Teachers, hear me. Parents, hear me. Grandparents, hear me. Pastors, hear me. We need to help people understand they're smarter than they believe they are. If they've been stumped, if they've been defeated, if they've been hurt, if they're not like everybody else and they got a C and I got a D or they got a B and I got an E or they got an A and I got a G, we need to help them to understand you're not dumb. I'm going to help you and with work you can, you can fix this. We need people, hear me, teachers hear me, we need people in our students' lives that teach them not to quit, just to finish. I, I, he didn't allow me to quit. I tried to quit three times. Every time I tried to quit, Mr. M said, you're not quitting, sit down. How many of you guys know when a guy's 10 feet tall, you sit down? You're not too dumb. I didn't believe him until I finally got a simple one, and then he gave me a more hard, uh, harder <laughs> English again. Wow, she's rolling a lot today, I'm telling you. Um, and on and on it goes. Barney Smith, let me tell you about Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith was a Marine who became a band director. Anybody seeing the problem? <laughs> Mr. Smith decided he would teach band, concert band and marching band. Lakeland High School, 19, would it be 79 to 82, he was my, my band teacher. And he yelled at me in front of everybody a lot. Now, personally, I don't see why he'd yell at such a great kid. But what it was, was I was the bass drummer. If I'm off, everybody's off. Jim, you're, you're the heart. You're the heartbeat. You're the heartbeat. Right. He'd blow the whistle. Weekend! Yes, Mr. Smith. <laughs> you're off. I don't know how to be on. <laughs> Where's Mr. Milkovich? Teach me, you know? And so, do it this way. And, and, and you know what? Mr. Milkovich taught me not to quit. Mr. Smith taught me I really, really wanted to. But, but he, also, he also taught me to pay Attention, because of Mr. Smith, my first day of meeting my drill sergeants in, in uh, you know, Fort McClellan, Alabama, they said, get your feet on the line. I knew where the line was. Stand at attention. I knew how to stand at attention. They were killing every kid that, like, they'd walk down. I knew to look straight ahead. Don't make eye contact. You eyeballing me, boy. Where are you from? There's only two things that come from Detroit, you know. And you push, yes, sergeant, two, sergeant, three. If you called them sir, they killed you. Don't call me sir. I work for a living. And it's the whole thing's designed to just torture you for two hours to make sure you never forget who's in charge, and it ain't you. You got the speech. I am not your mama. <laughs> I, I had no confusion about that situation at all. You know, uh, Mr. Smith taught me to pay attention. This is how you clean a weapon. I hear Mr. Smith. This is how you play the drum. This is how you listen. This is how you fill out a ticket. I was a police officer. This is how you, uh, Mr. Smith's words, pay, we can. Yes, Mr. Smith. <laughs> pay attention. How many guys still have people in your lives that years later when you do something wrong, you can still hear their voice? I was hunting with my son years ago. He's a little kid, and he's got a 12-gauge shotgun in his hand. Don't judge me. It's called outdoorsmanship. And he's walking with a 12-gauge looking for something to shoot. And I said, is the safety on? He's like, oh, yeah. Finger off the trigger? Yeah, okay. Three minutes later, J.D., is the safety on? Uh, yeah. Finger off the trigger? Yeah, okay. Three minutes later, J.D., yeah. Safety on? Yeah, finger off the trigger? Dad, why are you asking me this? I said, I'm asking this over and over again because someday you'll be hunting by yourself, and I still want you to hear my voice every three minutes saying, is the safety on? because I don't want you to kill anybody. That's, that costs extra. That, that's, uh, you don't want that. Right. Mr. Badges was my computer teacher. and I like Mr. Badges because he valued me for who I was. How many of you guys realize that putting me in a cubicle and having me write endless lines of code may not be what I was created for? <laughs> now focus. Okay, butterfly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, now long, like write 
code. And I was doing COBOL and Fortran and BASIC. We were, we were programming on computers that were probably, you know, cabinet size, this size, this size, this size, the old IBM 360s and 370s. And one time I was sitting in the computer lab cutting another class and he caught me in there. What are you doing in here? Oh, you know, just, I just love your class so much. <laughs> I just want to be around things that compute. And uh, where are you supposed to be? I'm supposed to be in gym. Why aren't you in gym? Because all the gym teachers are mean. You know what I mean? Now, not, not Mr. Steckroth, but all the other gym teachers are, were mean. And I wasn't an athletic kid. I want to be there. So, hey, you know, I just, can I just say in here? And he said, if you're going to be here, you got to do something. And he looked at, he had a trade magazine. He threw me the trade magazine. And he said, find a computer for us. Our equipment is so outdated. Everything I'm teaching kids today is unusable in the real world. Find something we can afford. Try to sell our stuff. Try to get other stuff. And he was the first person that said, you know, Yulia, you should be using words, not, not time in cubicles. And so I got on the phone, hey, would you give me your IBM 380? You know, $30,000, like the equivalent of a year's pay. It'd be like me calling you today and say, hey, would you give me a $70,000 computer mainframe? And, and you know, and they, no, no, no. Well, we, and they kept hearing, well, we've got 360s. You say, we've got 360s, we got 360s. Well, we already have a 360. Well, we'll donate the 360. I, I don't want the 360. 360s take up so much space, they're so slow. You've got to program in a number two pencil or an IBM 3742 data input machine. How many of you guys know that's the only thing I learned from computer class right there, the IBM 3742 data input machine? So finally, I, I, I just, the gears started to turn. I, realized, I said, you know, why are these things so heavy? They're so heavy because they're full of precious metals. That's why they weigh, you know, thousands of pounds. And so I, I called a, a junk dealer and said, what is a 360 worth? They said about $1,000 in scrap. Remember, 1979, 1980, that's a lot of money. It ain't cheap now, but it's a lot of money back then. So I just said, listen, how much did you pay for your 360? I called, you got a 360, how much did you pay for it? Three years ago, we paid $30,000 for it, and it's worthless today. I said, well, how about instead of you just selling it for scrap for a thousand bucks, you donate it to Lakeland High School and we'll give you a $27,000 write-off or about a $5,000 tax advantage. Would you like that? Yeah. What do we do? Just say, and so all of a sudden, Mr. Badges, by, by throwing me a trade magazine and letting me talk to people instead of sitting in my cubby with triangles, squares, and circles pretending I knew how to do flowcharts. <laughs> And all I did was like, I was just like spelling dirty words anyway. How many of you know I'm talking about? You program a computer to do things and you snicker, ha, 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 you know. You don't know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Got the high score in Dig Dug. What's the dirtiest word I can spell with three letters? You know, Miss Pac-Man, all that kind of stuff. And so we ended up buying all new equipment. And for like two years, that's all I did was take computer classes that I'd never did any of the assignments. And I got A's in all of them. I got a 1.8 GPA getting A's from Mr. Badges. Even though I, I did one assignment in all the classes I took, it was a flowchart to program something in basic. But he valued me for who I was. Now, you may today say that's bad teaching. Maybe bad teaching, but the Bible says in, in Proverbs 22, verse 6, that we should train up children in the way that they should go. And sometimes we really focus on the word train. Like, they need to be trained, they need to be disciplined, they need to be taught. These are the requirements, you know, this is the great. But I, I think really the emphasis should not be put on the word train, but on the word they. By seeing who I was and isolating that I wasn't this, I remember sitting down one time and saying, Jimmy, you're never going to be a computer programmer. And I said, you shouldn't discourage students. Well, he wasn't. He was telling me, not that you'll, you'll be bad at this, but you're better at something else, so much better. You're raising thousands of dollars for the school right now for the computer lab. I, I don't want you programming. That's not going to be who you are. You're going to use that, those two lips and that tongue to make a living and to change the world. And so let's, let's focus on that. And he gave me this opportunity to get comfortable with people and salespeople and you know, New York scrap dealers and you know, the, the CFOs and all that kind of, the IT guys, when nobody knew what an IT guy was. He got me into a world being me. Does that make sense? 
So if we just want to train people, hey, they got to see, they pass my class, that's, that's not what education is. Education, we would say it this way in, in a Christian setting, evangelism is leading someone into a personal saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is leading somebody into a satisfying relationship with themselves, the person that God created them to be. Education is the same way. Lead people in the way that they should go. And the last one's this, and this is Mrs. Waltz. Mrs. Waltz is my all-time favorite. She, she was the lady that saw me during my worst and, and tended to never think of me any different than when I was at my best. She was the one, and I, I, my parents are watching this from Florida today, so mom, plug your ears or turn the channel or something, but I, I used to smoke marijuana a lot. Um, it was just something social that we did, parties and weekends and all that kind of stuff. But one time, someone offered me a, a, a joint or a bowl or whatever it was. But I, I remember doing nothing I'd done differently before, but it had been laced with something. And whatever it was, it, it actually it messed with my brain chemistry. We were married, so into my 20s, I would occasionally have a flashback. I'm driving a van full of youth kids. By the way, it hasn't happened in a long time, so don't give me that look. But I'm driving at night, and all of a sudden, the whole freeway did this. Like I was, I was on end, I just stayed between the yellow lines and then it kind of slowly came back again. That sort of weird stuff happened to me because of this, I was angel dust or acid or mescaline or whatever it was, but I smoked it, it got into my brain and I remember being scared. Like, I don't know if I'm okay. How many of you guys know when you're not okay? My parents had retired, they moved to Florida. So I don't call my mom, hey, I was smoking dope and something happened. Like, I, yeah, I guess, no, you might want to find somebody else to talk to you about that, you know? You should talk to your mother, by the way. You should not smoke dope. Let's just go straight to the root, stop it. <laughs> All the way to the beginning. Whew. Took a long time to get there, didn't it? But I went to Mrs. Waltz. Karen, she let us call her. And I said, I'm not okay. She goes, what's wrong? You feeling all right, sweetie? And I, I said, I'm not. I, can I be honest with you? She said, you can always be honest with me. I said, I, I got into something. I don't know what it is. But I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm paranoid. I'm shaking. I'm sweating. I'm seeing things. And I'm not okay. And she said, come here, follow me. So, oh, okay. She took me to her office, her private office just outside the classroom. She sat me down, and she talked to me. She gave the kids an assignment, and she sat with me for an hour. She didn't turn me in. Remember, I'm not living with my parents. I'm living with friends. I'm living in a car. I have places to go, but in some ways, I'm, I'm homeless. If she'd have turned me in, it wouldn't have been a small thing. I don't know what would have happened, but the trajectory of my life would have changed from the time she turned me in. I'm not saying teachers turn them in, don't turn them in. I'm saying Mrs. Waltz cared enough about me to put her class on hold and to sit with me as the room spun and frogs jumped out of the table and I was trying not to panic. She talked me through that hour and let me sit in that office for the rest of the day. She checked on me like a mother would check on a son. And she kept coming back. I don't remember what she taught me, but I'll never forget who she was. Does this make sense? She wasn't the funniest teacher. She wasn't the meanest teacher. She, she, just, she was the one that made me feel safe. <laughs> she was the one that wouldn't quit. When I sobered up, dude, she yelled at me. And I remember her saying to me something along the lines of, Jimmy, you've got to get deeper. You gotta be more than the kid that talks in the back of the classroom. You gotta be more than the 1.8 GPA. There's so much more in you. I see it in you. And I, well, what else would there be? And she said, Jimmy, you gotta find God. I said, oh, I'm an atheist. I don't, I don't. 
She goes, listen, you've you got all this great machinery, but you're not plugged into anything that changes anything. You need to find God. And I really discounted it and moved on, but I got invited to a rock concert by a girl. And when you're living in your car and you got fleas and you don't bathe often and all that stuff, a pretty girl says, do you want to go to hell and you know, hit it with a squirt gun? You say yes. I went to this concert with the Hancock family, the three Hancock sisters. And I walked in not knowing what I believed or if I believed anything at all, really. And someone told me these words. They said, God loves you. And, and not only does he love you, like, hey, I love you. It's like, I love you. I love the you that you are. I've planted inside of you greatness. Um, I see you for who you're going to be, not just for the mess that I this here today. I believe in you. You know, when you're talking about, do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? No one ever asked, no one ever told me God believed in me, at least in any way that I ever, I ever got it. But that night I got it. And that was the night I gave my life to Jesus. I came back to Mrs. Waltz in the same classroom where she walked me through the PCP incident. And I said, hey, something happened this last week. And she's like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. I said, I, I met someone. Oh, Jimmy, don't. You're not ready for girls. <laughs> I said, no, I met Jesus. And she just started to cry. You did? Tell me about it. And it was so cool because I said, hey, can I tell the classroom? Can, would you mind staying here? I'm going to tell the class what happened to me. She's like, oh, Jim, you can't. That's separation of church and state. I'd get fired. I said, Karen, you hate your job. I'd be doing you a favor. And she laughed just like you did. She said, okay, I'll be right here. I hear anything out of the ordinary. I got to come in. I said, that's cool. I walked in that classroom and I started telling people about Jesus. From, I got saved on a Friday night, gave my life to Christ on Monday, you know, mid-morning. I'm telling people about what happened to me. That was in 1982. It's now 2018. And I have not stopped telling that story. <laughs> day after day, week after week, month after month. And Mrs. Waltz is there because she's the one that gave me that chance. And, and when it came time to choose a baccalaureate speaker, you know what baccalaureate is? I think it's a Latin word for boring church. But I was, I was chosen by the graduating class of 1983. The kid that was shaking and having hallucinations. The kid that was living in his car. The kid that, you know, you'd never let your daughter date. And was chosen to stand up and represent Christ to the families of the graduating class of 1983 because Mrs. Waltz gave me that chance. And I just want to say this. It wasn't a mental thing for me. I gave my life to Jesus because of these 18 things. I gave my life to Jesus really because of the same thing that made Mrs. Jackson special. He made me feel loved. To this day, you've heard me say it, you've been around long, I say it a thousand times. I am, and I can prove it, I am God's favorite kid. Now, I realize, theologically, I am tied for that title with all of humanity. But I think he likes me a little bit more than you. And, and I can prove it to you. Like everybody who's loved by Mrs. Jackson could prove that they were her favorite kid. Now, who's her favorite kid? I think all of them. You know, public school teachers, they get in it for the money and the fame, but occasionally, you know. She made me feel safe. Jesus made me feel safe. Mr. Milkovich wouldn't let me quit. I can't tell you the number of times I've wanted to quit. And I hear God just saying to me, you're not allowed to quit. You're only allowed to finish. I was sitting in Paul's prison cell in Rome last year and I was hearing the words he wrote in 2 Timothy as, as he's about to be executed, and he says, I have fought, past tense, the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Past tense. I'm done. Shortly after he wrote that, he was executed. And I remember being in that prison cell. I'd burned out as a pastor four years ago. It's no secret. I was done, resigned. I'd all this kind of stuff. I didn't resign to you. I resigned to me, to my wife, to my close friends. I told them, I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm finished. Uh, it's just too hard. I just, I just can't. And uh, I remember uh, if there's a way to kind of sum up what God said to me, it'd be what Mr. Milkovich said to me. 
No, no, no. Do it again. Don't quit. Don't give up. You can do this. I gave my life to Jesus, and he loved me like Ms. Jackson. He wouldn't let me quit like Mr. Milkovich. He saw me for who I was like Mr. Badges. He yelled at me like Mr. Smith. <laughs> How many of you guys know raising somebody else's child is a hard thing? And uh, if there ever was kind of a, a foster or adoptive situation or a certain rule, and then you come under Christ adopted into his family, and there's different rules. And he had to discipline me over and over and over again. He's done now because I'm, I'm perfect. But back in the day, you know, yeah. I, I guess I'll say this. He just, I know that whatever I would do today, I know I can go sit in God's office. And he'll stay with me until I'm okay again. Let me say this to you guys. Thank you for being the 10 people that we can all name or all going to name. You may not feel like you're making a difference in your students' lives. There's just no such thing. A caring adult who shows up day after day is making a difference. And if you'd have taught me in kindergarten or first grade or second grade, which are all the same teacher in the same classroom, but whatever, you know, you might not have looked at me and said, this guy's going to teach. If you're Mr. Milkovich, you, you might not have thought that you're looking at somebody who's going to make a difference in the world. If you're, you know, Mr. Badges, you know, if you're Mr. Smith, if you're Mrs. Waltz, you, you may wonder, why am I even doing this? I care about this kid. He comes in my office so stoned. He's, he's the world's being altered in front of him. I, I, why, do I, why do I even bother anyone? I could be making twice the money with half the headaches. And, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, you may not realize today, and only eternity will tell, that every one of us, whether we're school teachers or good neighbors or coaches or referees or friends, we all have this gift to impart what we have into somebody else. And although it may not feel like your investment is paying great dividends today, this isn't agriculture. You plant a seed and a week later there's a plant. This is people. I am still, there are still seeds germinating in me that were planted decades ago. How about you? But they were planted in me. And I'm here to tell you today, as a teacher, we applaud you, we love you, we thank you, and I want you to never forget, God loves you. He really does have a plan for everything you're going through, everything you're doing. Your, your knowledge is important, but your character is vital. Who you are to those students will always outweigh in the long run, 20, 30, 40 years later, long after you're gone. They won't talk about, you know, the symbiosis of bionic, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, that made sense. They won't talk about chemistry. They'll talk about the teacher that taught them chemistry. You make a difference because you show up in a way few people will in their lives. Remember, we're always here to pray for you. We're always here to pray with you. We're always here to help you. I realize there's a separation between church and state, but I think it's probably more to protect the church than it is to protect the state. And there are places where we can overlap where we're here to serve with you. Those kids are important to us too. Anything we can do to help, we're always here for you. We believe in you. We'll pray for you. And actually over there today, when you go grab your stuff, there's going to be this, uh, this red card in there that if you want to fill it out, we'll, but literally we'll just you'll be on a list of teachers that we're going to pray for on a regular basis every week or as led every day. We'll know who you are. Uh, and I'm, we know where you live. It's not one of those cards. We'll stop by occasionally. Like, we, we won't, I promise you. But we just want to you know we're partnering with you in this really difficult task of educating children. And uh, we believe in you. We're proud of you. We're grateful for you. If you ever feel like quitting, um, don't. Finish. When you're finished, you're done. But never give up.
because this generation needs people just like you to care about them. Everybody stand to your feet, please, if you would. Red cards are over there for you. Uh, nobody leave quite yet. I'm supposed to tell you, according to my notes, that if you are an educator, we have one last, after that, one last gift to give you, and it's this. Ice cream. There is ice cream in a trolley. Is that right, Sister Babe? Okay. There's a trolley out there that is all the way from San Francisco. I drove here just this morning. <laughs> and uh, with, with a treat, a San Francisco treat for you out there. Please go get it. I think there's coffee and stuff too. If you want an ice cream cone, you can. You just got to pay for it, right? Unless you're an educator. Free to the educators. Everybody else, your tax dollars do not cover this. Pay for your own ice cream, all right? I just want to say this. Let me just pray over you. Close your eyes. Father, we pray a blessing on every educator, whether it's a good neighbor, a coach, a public school teacher, private school teacher. God, we pray a blessing. This is the blessing time. We bless. Come on, church, pray with me. We bless these teachers to do an awesome job, to never be forgotten. I mean, 1970 was a long time ago, but I still remember Miss Jackson. God, I pray. May the seeds they plant produce fruit. God, I ask you to bless them and keep them and make your face you shine on them. Give them grace. Give them insight. Give them wisdom. Give them that extra mile that's needed to care. When, when parents don't care and PTAs are you know, wrestling with them and the union and the... Let them remember, it's not about all that. It's about the kids that sit in the desk in front of them every day. That's the paycheck. It's not the money. It's not the benefits. It's not the accolades. That's the paycheck. When that kid leaves your class and can divide long numbers, that's the paycheck. Bless them, God, I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I get that. I lived a long time, one part of my life away from God. I just say this to you. I found that he came looking for me, and maybe today's the day he came looking for you. Maybe today's not an accident. Maybe you're here because a friend invited you. Maybe you're here because you heard ice cream. You know what I mean? But, but maybe it's deeper than that. Maybe you're supposed to encounter someone, not just something. I believe with all my heart that what God has done for me and for many of the people in this room, man, he, he wants to do for you. You're not right with God for any reason. Just tell him right now I'm wrong. I need your help. Choose him to be the one that saves. Don't, don't save yourself. And I mean, I, I thank God for all sorts of counselors. I, I have a counselor in my life. I see regularly. I thank God for lawyers. We need those occasionally. I thank God for doctors. But I, I only have one Savior, you know? And I, I just, I counsel you today. If you're not right with God, Jesus really does love you. He really did die for you on a cross. He really did take away the, the penalty of our actions. Why, why would we not live free? Why would we not choose that over trying to save ourselves and be a good person? And it's so impossible. He'll make you feel safe. He'll yell at you when you need it. He won't let you quit. He'll be there with you every step of this school year and beyond. If you're not right with God, just tell him right now in your own way, God, I need you. And I choose you to be my Savior today. God, I pray, bless, 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 in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we do this? Can we, if you're an educator today, would you just, I know I, we're not going to like embarrass you, I promise you. Um, although it would be revenge for all the times you embarrass people like me. But let's just do this, okay? I'm a teacher. Would you raise your hand? We just want to clap right now. It's like, there they are. Come on. Right here. Look at all of them over here. Love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you.
Altar workers are coming forward. They're going to pray for anybody that needs prayer for any reason. Our teachers, come on up here, teachers. Let's have Christmas. My wife's over there. We call her sister babe just for fun. And uh, grab your stuff. Get your ice cream. Feel special and love. God bless you. Live long, prosper. You are dismissed. And go have some fun. We'll talk to you again real soon.